As a business owner of an aquaculture company, how can you take the first step to be profitable and sustainable at the same time? That's what we're going to be talking about in these episodes. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This is the podcast for the sustainable business movement in the aqua farming and ocean ranching industries. This podcast aims to amplify the voices of entrepreneurs addressing the United Nations Global Goals, aka Sustainable Development Goals, number 14, to conserve and sustainably use the oceans and the seas. Listen in to fellow business aquaculturists in their journey in this new model of food production of making their business sustainable and help the ocean's ecology while also making a profit all at the same time. Get inspired to learn how even small to medium businesses can make an impact to save the seas, leave a legacy, and have a better quality of life. One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the industrial revolution to business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. As a business owner of an agriculture company, what roles does an ambassador have in order to manage a global regenerative brand to help save kelp forests? That's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. This episode, we have Denise McDonald, who is in charge of the global brand marketing for Urchinomics BV. Welcome to the show, Denise. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Denise is a marketing and branding professional with experience in building brands from the ground up. Past experience comes from branding, advertising, promotions, and media fields. High-energy, entrepreneurial, and results-orientated team leader with demonstrated success in the development and execution of global brands and global advertising campaigns. Urchinomics is an aquaculture company specializing in the delicacy of sea urchin roe, uni, and by using cutting-edge aquaculture technology, their aim is to generate healthy profits while helping the world's scalp forests recover. Welcome again, Denise. Happy to have you. I'm so happy to be involved. Thank you for having me again. So I'd like to get the show started by asking, how did you get involved with Archonomics Aquaculture particularly? That's a very good question. It was happenstance in the sense that Brian, who's the founder and CEO of Archonomics, he and I worked together in Canada to develop and launch a startup in the tea industry. We assisted in launching matcha green tea to North America. So that's where I, I got to know Brian. That's how we have worked together in the past. Then Brian moved to Norway. I stayed in Canada. And several years later, Brian reached out and said, I've got this great company I'm starting. I would love for you to be involved. And I said, sure, I'd love to. And that was my introduction steep learning curve into aquaculture and everything that it has to offer. So it was a massive learning curve for me in terms of the industry as a whole, in terms of the issue we're facing in our oceans today, anywhere from the blue carbon world to the ecology, the aquaculture itself. It was a huge learning curve and that was roughly six years ago. Wow, it's quite interesting because I remember now I had a contact that we were promoting LinkedIn. This was like 10, maybe 15 years ago in Vancouver and he knew Brian. And for our listeners, I'm sure you remember Brian 
Takeda is one of our special guests for season one during my first year of the podcast. And that was exactly what he told me. What, how did you get to know Brian? And then he mentioned about this tea that you guys were working together at that time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I went from tea to sea urchins. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's always fascinating when I'm interviewing women executives in the industry, because as we both know, it's a very male-dominated industry, correct? You're absolutely right. I think that was also, I had gone from more of a female-dominated, fast-moving consumer goods. I worked in the cosmetic industry with clients like L'Oreal, Maybelline back in the day. So it was a switch for me in terms of it is extremely male-dominated, the industry itself, where you do start to see more female leads is in the science side of things. There are quite a few women who work in the science space, supporting and providing excellent research to support what we're doing. Where we don't see a lot of women executives is in the business side of things, is in the aquaculture space and sort of the business around aquaculture. I didn't know this about you, that you were in a female-dominated industry before you got into aquaculture. So that's very interesting. But you're absolutely correct in terms of the technical side of things and maybe more from the C-suite. It's mostly in the aquaculture industry, mostly from the other gender. And it's interesting as well, because you were mentioning about women in science as well. So I agree that there's more of that now compared to when it started, maybe even 20 years ago. So my next question to you is give us a background on how you brilliantly, really, and true sense of the word, you brilliantly created the Ergonomics brand when you were fundraising. That actually happened long before the fundraising. So my specialty lies in really taking a company before there's a name, before there's an identity, before there's a personality, and really figuring out the objective of that company. So branding, oftentimes people think branding is a logo or it's a, a tactical execution. And really, my specialty is taking a company and figuring out ideally what they want, who they want to target, understanding the psychology of that demographic and developing a brand and a personality around that. So it happened before the fundraising. Brian had secured an agency at the time early on. And I worked with them early on to develop that. But the true fact is the guts of the company and the personality, our vision, mission, position, and values were all created and presented to that agency to help us identify a good storyline, statements, and also the identity as well. They then created the identity and we fleshed that out both in storytelling and really, really honed in on who we wanted to talk to, what kind of companies we wanted to partner with. And again, that trickled all the way down into the fundraising. You know, what kind of partners do we want in our space in terms of fundraising? Are we interested in someone that's primarily looking for a return on investment? I think as a company that really our aim is kelp restoration, that could be a slower proposition in terms of getting your funding back versus what is the actual aim? You will possibly, we are for profit company. The idea is to make money, but you know, it might take a little while because we are a new concept and our goal is really kelp restoration as well. So looking at, you know, targeting who we wanted to partner with as a business, but also in terms of fundraising was really a key. And I think the success around the brand and getting where we are today is around the relationships that we built and really targeting the people that we want to work with on every level. 
you mentioned about storytelling. So I'm just going to segue a little bit because you're a branding expert. I remember a connection of mindset before that companies also have brand archetypes. And obviously, if you're not true to that archetype, there may not be a reason to take off. But I'm saying this because I really, and you mentioned the words storytelling, I think ergonomics and the way that you branded and marketed that company in terms of the way that I almost felt like it's a magician archetype. Would you agree? (laughs) Yeah, I think so much of it is based in the truth, you know, in your unique selling proposition and what you're offering. It's storytelling is basically in our case, it's really just sharing the facts and how you share those facts. So many people, even today, don't realize the plight that the oceans are facing in this climate crisis. And I think part of the storytelling is presenting the facts in a digestible way where people can understand and making analogies with terrestrial forests and that kind of thing so that people can understand how serious the problem is while then injecting a solution. And that would be where ergonomics comes in to play in providing a solution, hope for people to realize that there are ways to do things differently, even as a for-profit entity to help make the world a better place. So I think storytelling works brilliantly when you have the facts and you can present them in a digestible, clear, simple way. Very well said, very well said. So maybe you can share with our audience, what's the North America, Europe, and Asia brands who are partners with Archinomics? Because I know you guys have really great collaboration with different brands and products or services in that location. We have partnered and continue to partner with an enormous number of really amazing companies, both on the for-profit and non-profit side. Early on in California, When we decided we wanted to start a trial there, we connected with Renee Angwin, who's a scientist at SDSU, and she really started the trials with us on testing the purple sea urchin and the viability of that in terms of our concept and whether it could be success with the purple urchins in California. And then following that, after a couple of years, we secured funding from the Nature Conservancy to help us build a trial at UC Davis. And we did that. We've also partnered with the Bay Foundation there. And they were sort of pioneering early on in restoring kelp forest down in Southern California, the Noyo Center for Marine Science in California. That's just a little taste of one specific area. But we have groups like that in each region that we work on in, in Europe. Norway, we're heavily involved in Norway. So that's a region we're trying to grow here now. But even now, we've started a trial with regenerative solutions in Hong Kong, where we're just opening up a second commercial site in Japan. And we have partners like Mitsubishi, and they're the ones that they have a brand under their belt called Nosan, and they develop our feed. And we've worked with them for years on developing a feed that is sustainable, GMO free, et cetera, et cetera. So the list of partners is a lot traditionally in the past, I would say up until recently, and even still continues to be nonprofits and science-based and universities and stuff, because we've been in an R&D and trial mode for quite some time. Now, a lot of our partners are more downstream, distributors, processors, packaging companies, and wonderful Michelin star restaurants. And they're all on board. And even, I would say, media channels. We have some great journalists that really are excited about what we're doing and share our story when we have new things to tell. So the list of partners is just vast. And I think that those partners we've chosen and they've chosen us as having like-minded goals and objectives in restoring kelp and 
trying to raise awareness on this issue and really develop it further and help us scale up commercially. I really love that because at this day and age, as you know, in business, if you don't have collaboration, that can be the source of demise of the company, just with the way that technology has just changed the way people have done business. And you guys have really mastered the way that partnerships are being done. I also like but you mentioned that you guys started with nonprofits and then with universities, and then that just trickled down to distributors, processors, and packaging companies, and even a media channel. I think that was magnificent. Yeah. And by default, it's like every area we get into, we're ideally trying to make that community better in whatever way. So whether it's partnering with First Nations or Indigenous groups or whatever the case may be, it's like we're trying to get everyone involved we can to really bring the story alive, raise awareness on the issue, and really prove that for-profit business can do good in our society and not just take things away and deplete resources. Thank you very much. Yes, very good. Just really good. My biggest takeaway from our conversation today, Denise, was when you were talking about storytelling and this last point that you brought. I've always tell the audience in small to medium-sized companies, we have to build our value cycle, meaning community first and then from the followers, and then that will become customers and raving fans in the end. So thank you again. How can they get in touch with you? Anyone can get in touch with me via email at dm at urchinomics.com or via LinkedIn. Is there a way that you can share my LinkedIn profile if people would like to connect with me via LinkedIn as well? Absolutely. So you guys, she's very active on LinkedIn and obviously you can go to their website, urchinomics.com. Thanks again, Denise. And please follow us on Instagram also. We're pretty active on Instagram. I love your photos and your videos on Instagram. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we are doing yeah. great up there. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. You're welcome. Our next episode will be about Shrimp Box with their CEO, Danielle Rizek of Ataria. To our listeners, I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture. Thanks again, Denise. Thank you. Thank you for listening and I hope you are inspired from this episode. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website www.sustainableaquaculture.ca slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture.